0: That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village, episode number 11. Today is a first on Voices of Your Village. Today we have not just one parent, but two. Uh, Kelly and Don Vincentini sat down with me to talk about a three-year-old behavior. We dove into boundaries and saying no and dealing with disappointment and all the feelings that we have as adults and how to really apply what we know into reality. It's not always rainbows and butterflies, and it's not always easy. And so how do we take what we want to be with tiny humans and really make it happen in the everyday life and the stressors that come with that? So without further ado, let's dive in.
1: everyone. Today is a first for the Voices of Your Village podcast as I hang out with two parents at the same time. Kelly and Don Vincentini are here to chat about life with a three year old. We dive into how to support children as we hold boundaries, say no to things, and process things like disappointment. You get to listen in as we have a real conversation about life with a three year old. Thanks for hanging out with me today, Kelly and Don. Can you start us off with a little bit about your family and what brought you here today? Hey, Alyssa. Thanks so much for having
2: us. Yeah, it's awesome
1: to hang out with you.
2: Um, So we are really blessed to have two little ones. We have a three-year-old, we'll call her Juji. that's her nickname. Um, She's actually a little older than three. She's three and a half now. And um, we also have an 18-month-old, Ella. And uh, they're about, yeah, about 20 months apart, so they keep us busy. Life with them is a lot of fun. Um, long days, but the days go by so fast. The weeks pass and the months pass too fast. We're loving our life, our sweet little life with them. Um, We also, we both also are teachers. Um, Don is a phys ed teacher and a coach. And I was a teacher for eight years. Um, I taught first grade and second grade in an inclusive classroom in a suburb in Syracuse. And um, then when I had Juliana, I decided to stay home with her and um we're really lucky that um Don works some pretty long days right now uh, to support us but we are enjoying our time home and, and keeping busy with classes that we attend and things that we do around town, story time. Um so the two girls keep us keep us on our toes. But we're, like, we're really excited to chat with you today because um I mean as all moms and dads know we and I get grandparents and everyone in their village, as you call it, there's so many different phases and, you know, from infancy through the point of three and a half years old. I mean, we just, you, you encounter a phase of life and you finally figure out how to tackle it and then the phase changes and it's something totally <laughs> new. So we, um this was something that we've been wanting to chat with you about is, you know, when Juliana gets excited about something and wants it her way? How do we you know distract her how do we how do we help her handle disappointment?
1: yeah no that's a it's a huge question. I mean these emotions, especially once they hit like older toddlerhood, really come into full force um so I'm excited to dive into that with you today. uh how was it for you, Kelly, going from like older early childhood? to then like a parent of infant toddler. Did you feel like you had tools in your toolbox for that from teaching early childhood? Or did you feel like this was a whole new ball game to kind of start with?
2: Well, I think that's a really good question. I mean, I definitely think that Don and I, you know, we had a lot of training. Um, you know, I, my background is also in special education. But we had a lot of training in like behavior management. Um, and the importance of, you know, setting, you know, being consistent. So if you set a a boundary in your home and, you know, maybe what bedtime routine looks like and what going to bed and closing, you know, turning off the lights and closing the door looks like, keeping that consistent night after night or, um, having routines and, you know, having, um, we, we talk a lot, we try to remind each other a lot, he and I, about, Keeping things really positive and having all of our positives outweigh any negative reinforcement we give. And, um, you know, we kind of think about our morals and our values in our family life and in our family unit. And we try to emphasize those with the girls and then, you know, follow through and be consistent. And so I feel like a lot of that came from, you know, A, our morals and our values that were instilled in us and B, I think a lot of that came from our behavior management training, you know, the things that we did in the classroom. I was very routine in the classroom. I was very consistent. I had boundaries. I stuck to them. Um, but at the same time, to answer that question, when you become a parent, it is so different than life in the classroom. I mean, you have them 24 hours a day, you know, and I might have the stamina for seven hours in a classroom to be one way with a child. But then when that job is a 24-hour-a-day job, obviously you're going to be handling situations exhausted from having a sleepless night. Or um, you might lose patience because you've been the sole provider all day of everything, you know, from wiping noses to potty training to nursing of the baby while daddy's working really, really long days and nights and coming home long after they've, you know, been awake or back, gone back to sleep, so I felt like I was lucky to yes have some tools in my toolkit, as you called it, from teaching. But at the same time, it was a totally different ballgame when you become a parent, you know, and you have no idea Absolutely. what I mean, it's So you know, becoming a new parent is something you just have to you have to learn to navigate, you know. And we're Totally, together. I think that like you and I work together to do that.
1: Yeah, I think it's huge to highlight the fact that, like, these, like, emotional expressions that we're going to talk through don't just happen when, like, everyone's had a full night of sleep and everyone's in a great place. Right, right. (laughs) right. (laughs) You're going to have to navigate them uh, at all different times of the day and in all different scenarios. and. You know it's not always rainbows and butterflies, right? So how do we how do we kind of walk through those journeys when, when there is added stress or things like that that we're also working through? And uh yeah, so let's dive in. What uh what do you kind of see right now if you give her a boundary and you have to say like, nope, we can't do this, um what what do you tend to see as a reaction?
3: Well, I think even, like, tonight, hey, this is Dan, um, hey, she was, Don. Hey, Don. Hey, <laughs> jump right in. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she was struggling, I think, transitioning tonight. Sometimes transitions are really difficult for her, especially if she's, like, really excited about something. Um, you know, like, like any kid, and I think maybe any age, but, um, you know, grandparents were leaving tonight, and she wanted grandma to read her a book, or she wanted mom to do bedtime and not dad. Um, so I think transitions are really difficult, um and they have been, and you know we try to do our best to kind of manage her through that moment and you know, sometimes you let her know,
2: know what's coming, let her you know, know
3: what's coming and yeah. prepare her for what's gonna come next um I think myself i you know i I try to use distraction and humor, I try to be the funny one sometimes also being consistent and serious, you know, dad, that you have to be, but um. I try to distract her sometimes and get her mind off, you know, what she's upset about. And uh-huh. sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But um, I think that's kind of what I, I try to go for. I
2: mean, we, we are really lucky, you know. We I feel like the word phase. You, we I use that word a lot yeah. because I feel like with the girls, there's just there's always a phase. And I feel like a couple of months ago we were when I reached out, we were talking back and forth about this. Like we were definitely going through a phase where she was really struggling with healing disappointment. And now, you know, it does get better, moms and dads that are listening. Like, these, <laughs> they learn to handle that disappointment. And, you know, they just, they grow so fast. And in just a couple months, I feel like she's matured and she's handling those emotions differently than than December even. But, um, but, but still to this day, you know, tonight we were playing musical chairs as a family. And she didn't want to stop. And um, what we're seeing her do <laughs> when she, you know, wants to throw a little meltdown is she just kind of like ooh, ooh, stomps her feet. You know, dip, dip, and it's like four <laughs> or five steps. And her whole body kind of gets tense. She'll kind of get the voice going and the tears going. And we honestly... It's a lot different when there's just one of them. But when little sister is now 18 months and getting real smart <laughs> and is watching, she is picking up some things much faster than big sister ever did. So we are really trying to curb, the, like poor big sister, we're trying to curb her emotion and from showing that tantrum because we don't want little sister to catch on to those kinds of things. So we're, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we'll take a deep breath. you are trying to get her to pull herself together a little faster lately because I just feel like. Alice starting to really catch on and she's starting to pull some of those same behaviors because she's watching Cissy. So um Totally. That's kind of what we've seen, you know, she'll melt into tears and she'll it'll escalate, her, her whole her voice will get up there and she'll get all you know, upset and her little feet will go. That's what we know <laughs> her little feet go top, 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 like a little stop. <laughs> um so that's what we're seeing happen when she has to handle disappointment right now.
1: What did you say? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Totally. So you touched on a few things there that I want to like kind of go a little more in depth in. Um, I mean, it's very typical three-year-old behavior, uh, but a, a couple things there that, that are that are separate. Uh, one is the like sibling piece. Um, which is something, so I run these like tiny humans, big emotions groups where we, we gather, uh, families that have similar age kiddos and we talk through like emotional expressions and a huge topic in my three year old group is, uh, siblings because we often have someone younger watching and like, how do we handle that? And, uh, the other thing is like, Letting them express that emotion, which you you were saying, like you sometimes curb it or we might use distraction and like, what does that mean? And how, what's our like long-term goal here? So the first thing, the like sibling piece here, we do what's called a come watch,
4: um,
1: which is where you like make a big expression like, oh no, you seem so upset we have to stop playing this game right now and you really want to play. And just like kind of getting your whole bot, like your whole self into that um, with them. And this is one of those things where like you can say the right words and still not do it in the right manner. Like it's it's a whole emotion piece that we bring into it. Um, And it really lets them know like we hear you. Like this sucks, right? Like you have to stop and you really want to keep playing. Uh, sometimes I feel that way too. And then I would like just like let them continue to express and be there with them and almost bring the sibling into it to help the sibling like A see that emotional expression is okay and uh there's no like shame or guilt behind it, but also that we can help problem solve this together. Um, oh. so once they're like ready, once she's like stopping her feet and all that jazz, I would I would step in and oh, I see that you're so frustrated. You really want to keep playing this game and we have to stop now. When you're ready, I would love to talk to you about it. We can problem solve this together. And let her express. And I would come in every like few minutes with that same sentence, just reminding her like, I see you, I hear you. And when you're ready, we can solve this problem together. And then when she is ready, asking her like, what do you think we could do? We can't play the game anymore tonight. How could we solve this together? And have that, like, 18-month-old be able to witness that, like, that, A, that emotional expression is okay, and then we can
2: solve it together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and, frankly, so hard. I love what I do, and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash voices
4: We've and cool. it's really we've tried we we
2: have we've gotten away from that like we have tried that before and we've gotten away from that That was a really good reminder when you say that yeah that
1: was a really good, good. reminder it's uh, and we use it in the classroom said. a lot with like more kids you know but I I think it works really well with siblings too
2: especially to like model that oh it's a really good point yeah because your first instinct is for you don't want her to see that, you know. But I guess if, if you're really like taking that as a teachable moment and thinking about how we we do use emotion words a lot, like oh, you know, your sister's feeling oh, you're sad. Your, your sister's feeling frustrated because we try to do that. But if you think about it, as a teachable, that's a teachable moment for handling emotions and labeling emotions. And oh, I love that. Awesome, it's, it's, cool. Yeah. Off to
1: a good start. Uh- <laughs>
2: great. Uh, So
1: the other one was like the distraction piece out of the feeling, which I think like sometimes we can, um, I was actually just having a conversation with my sister-in-law about this on vacation recently uh, about the difference between like distraction and making transition fun. Like, so for instance, when I'm like getting kids ready to go outside, which they don't like to do with their like winter clothes and all that jazz. Um, we'll like play a game or sing a song and like make it fun because they're never going to want to like do this. Right. No one wants to go through the whole process of putting on their whole snowsuit and the hat and the boots and the whole shebang. And so I'll, I'll like acknowledge that. Like, I hear you don't want to put on this snowsuit. We're going to do it to get ready to go outside. Would you like to sing a song or would you like me to tell you a story while we're doing it? Um, my sister-in-law was doing this as so she like put sunscreen on the kid it was like it jogged my memory and we started chatting about it and I feel like that could be a similar thing that you could bring into transitions with your three and a half year old here is like either making it fun or letting her express right so like if she is past the point of like this is not going to be a fun transition then Letting her get to a place of expression and saying, like, I hear you. You really wanted mom to read this book to you tonight, and and I'm going to read it to you. Uh, I hear that you're mad. And just, like, letting that exist and acknowledging that can be half the battle for them. Uh, Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. That's
1: cool. How are you feeling with that, Dawn?
3: I like it. It feels like you tricked them. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, no, it's sometimes it's like works. tricking them when we like make works. it fun, right? It Definitely uh, works. But then, like, like, what's that? No, it definitely works. I think I we use I I try to use it even you know you Talk about distraction, but like I'll keep her mind off of what is happening, but also get her to do it. You
2: know? Yeah, I think that was your word Yeah, I think yeah. there's a fine line. Like
3: let's just say there's
2: a fine line. But yeah, you're you're very good at that
1: yeah and I I think like we can also acknowledge their feelings and not make them like live in that space right Right. like (laughs) we there are some things in life we have to do that aren't fun and that we're not going to enjoy and we don't have to live in that space of like disappointment the whole time Uh, it can still be like a fun process like getting sunscreen on or whatever it is for the tiny humans Um, so I think bringing those things
2: I think you with were death. touching on something too that like reminds, you just, you just jogged <laughs> in that memory or something like, it's important to remember and like, it's, that's right it's so great to have conversations with you like that. It's it's good to remember that step one, there's so little in their life, they're brand new still, like teaching them to label the emotion is step one to learning how to handle that emotion, you know? And yeah, that's for sure. It's so basic, but yeah, as parents, in the moment when you're so busy and you're hurrying to make that lunch and you're hurrying to get out the door because you're late to story time, you forget. I mean, you, you're you just caught up in everything and your your mind is on work and your mind is on something else. And it's hard. It's just it's so much easier said than done, you know. But it's, it's such okay. an important reminder that you have to keep them first. You know, it's okay, but you're mad. I'm mad sometimes too. You know, when Daddy had to leave for work this morning, you know, he was disappointed to go to work this morning because he had to leave you. And you're disappointed because, you know, you had to stop playing your game with your friend or your friend had to leave the play date. You know, learning that that emotion of disappointment, learning that emotion of anger and labeling it and, like you said, like letting them sit in it. I mean, it, we forget when we're so caught up in the moment as parents, we're so busy and juggling both kids or something. I mean, you, you forget that that's step one to being able to handle those big emotions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would even take it like a step back and say like allowing them to feel the emotion is it even comes
2: first, right?
1: That like we don't we like let them feel that and then labeling it. And then what we often see, so my like emotion processing um development phase has five steps and what we usually see is that we do step one and two where we'll let them feel it and then we'll label it, but then we jump quickly to step five, which is uh moving on. And what we miss in the middle are um, like not getting stuck in it. So having security in that feeling and then uh, developing coping strategies. So sometimes when I feel sad, I like to ask for a hug or sometimes when I'm really mad, I like to take some space before I'm ready to talk. Uh, Things like that, that we build in those coping strategies and then we work to moving on. Um, And, I think we often can jump from letting them feel a feeling, identifying the feeling, and then, all right, let's move on, when they're still living in this space where they have to cope through it and we haven't given them that opportunity. So it's really, really hard when we're on, like, our adult timeline, right, where we're like, okay, like, I want to give you the space to feel this, but I got to get your shoes on. We got to get out the door.
2: (laughs) Um, Right, right. No, that's a great And so there's mindset. like reality
1: to this too, right? That like not all the time are we going to be able to do this 100% correctly. The cool part is that we only have to do it 20% of the time to see long-term results um, per the latest research in emotion coaching, uh, which is rad because we're not going to get it right 100% of the time. But when we can, seizing that opportunity to give them that space and that time. And maybe it looks like, when you're going to story time getting them in the car and then being in the car and saying i know that you weren't ready to get in the car and i had to put your shoes on you yeah. were still that mad that yeah you know like acknowledging that
2: yeah that's a great point that sometimes it it does happen because sometimes she needs that time to cool down that that we often discuss you know a little bit you know 20 minutes later or something you know i'm really sorry that you were so sad inside, you know, it made my heart sad that you were so sad, you know, can you tell me why now, can we talk about, you know, what can we do differently tomorrow, a lot of times it isn't a car ride somewhere, again, because I've done the thing, you know, if the transition was tough, Um, yeah, it doesn't always have to be, when you're, you don't have to be late to story time, you can, you know, continue on, but as long as you have that conversation,
3: right, and I
1: love the car for that, because it takes away that, like, pressure of eye contact and like a whole other level of presence and like processing your emotions that they have to have when they're looking at you. I, I like to steer clear of having kids like, look at me, let me see your face, look at my eyes, things like that, because sometimes that's too overwhelming. And I think that's why the car sometimes can be a great place for kiddos to have these conversations because they don't have that pressure of having to like look at you and also process how you're feeling. With what they're saying. Good point, yeah. Yeah, so what, uh, one of the big things here with these, with these tiny humans, especially in the three year old realm, are like our comfort with their feelings, right? So, how do you feel like you feel when they're expressing an emotion?
3: I know it can get really frustrating ourselves, like, um, you, know, you you have to obviously be patient and kind of take a deep breath yourself and maybe just think about what your next step is going to be, what you're going to say carefully to them to get them, you know, maybe what you want them to do, but also to overcome their anger, sadness, frustration themselves. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, you know, again, it goes back
2: to we know how we want to handle it you know in an ideal way we you know how we want to handle it but unfortunately when you're making two girls two sandwiches and you know filling up the milk cup simultaneously and getting everything going sometimes it doesn't always happen the way we want it to but
3: I think I, I want to try to be behavior management uh, training and uh, the the teacher the leader mentioned uh you know we all have seen the mom in the grocery store or the dad and the child is tantruming and they say Here, you know here's a cookie here's a, here's a treat here's something just to get them to stop and i i think we obviously we try to avoid doing that as much as we can you know yeah. and work through the problem instead of just ending the problem yeah definitely
1: yeah, i think yeah, that's huge, huge. It's so hard to do, though, especially when you know you can just, like, easily fix the problem. (laughs) Right? Like, you know, if I give you this thing, you're going to stop crying, and that would make my life easier right
2: now. Right.
3: (laughs) Right. It's hard to
2: stick to that. I think he and I both, um, you have a much, like, calmer disposition, I think, than I do. I'm a little bit more high-strung, but I don't We both we we don't come from like yelling. You know, we're not yellers. You know, in the classroom, that was always a big thing to me. I just don't I don't like I don't like yelling. You know, I was just something about I just don't like yelling. And so that is something I feel like when we have read up on this and when we have reflected, we're both very reflected. Like we reflected and like prayed about it and talked about it. We kind of come back to like we just got you know if we allow ourselves to get really upset and let things escalate and yelling out, then that is not going to help her. (laughs) You know, that's not going to help anything. Like we need to be her source of like calmness in that moment because she's obviously struggling to keep her cool. You know, she's struggling with her big emotions. So we need, we need to be steady and calm. And if one of us is having a hard time with that, like that's where, not everyone has a teammate and not every minute of the day are, is he's here for me. I mean, he's usually working. But if one of us happens to be home on a weekend or something, like, one of us can step in for the other, give the other person a break, you know what I'm saying? Or we just try to remind each other when we reflect afterwards, like, we really got to keep calm for her because in that moment... She doesn't need someone yelling or getting super frustrated with her. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. It's happened.
3: Yeah, I think we can find a balance. We try to be stern, stern, but not screaming and yelling. And, you know, I don't think any kid wants that to happen to them at that moment. It's not going to help.
2: Be calm and let her know that, you know, know, I can see that you're mad. You know, I I know you didn't want the game to end. You know, know, I know you're disappointed about having to add musical chairs. You know, we're really sorry. But we gave you a warning, and it is that time. And grandma has to leave, and you know we just try to keep calm, keep our voice calm. Yeah, because yeah,
1: uh, I think it's huge. One thing, one thing we know is like we don't want our tiny humans to feel responsible for our feelings, right? So like when they're expressing, if we get frustrated or angry, then we're like flipping the switch, and now they're responsible for bringing us down. And so we want to try and avoid that. But again, that's so much easier said than done, right? Like I have, I I have walked away from kids and like gone to the bathroom just for a moment of like, all right, I've got to find my calm before I can (laughs) respond to them, right? I, otherwise this isn't going to go well. And I, I, but I would rather walk away and not respond to them at all. And be able to return to them in a calmer place than turn and be frustrated with them. Uh, Absolutely. Because that's going nowhere
4: fast. (laughs) Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above,
2: Yeah, and that's totally, like, you know, it's easier said than done. It's not easy. But I'll never forget one time it was so hard. This goes back a ways when both girls were really little and I was so sleep deprived of the baby. And I literally had to go out on the front porch because she was tantruming and I just needed to to breathe and not have the screaming. And I was like, oh, my gosh, where did Kelly go? I just needed one second. I needed to, like, take a deep breath outside, get some fresh air so that I could come back in and handle it the way that I knew I needed to. Yeah,
1: it's tough yeah. sometimes. For sure. Uh, I recently had a mom <laughs> text me a picture. It was like one o'clock. It was nap time, and she had a Corona in her hand, and she was like, "This is what's getting me through today. It is nap time, and I'm gonna have a nap time beer." I was like, "Good for you. Fine. Like that's you great. Whatever."
3: Your your beach sometime.
1: Find your beach yeah. sometimes. <laughs> Find your beach. Yeah. Find your piece. Whatever it is. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, there's no rule book for this, right? So it's it's finding what can bring our calm and help us to not turn and be frustrated with them. And there's, there's no one size fits all here. And I think it's particularly tough uh, when you're in that stay-at-home position of it is you all day with no one to tap out to and... You know you especially when they're really little like you're peeing on a schedule you always have a kid on your body uh, and and it, it adds up as the day goes on right like nine o'clock might seem feasible but three o'clock might seem a little more challenging so I think it's I think it's good to be mindful of like expectations and knowing like we're not going to get it right a hundred percent of the time and that's fine uh, but what are we what are we striving for here yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, I can kind of wrap things up a little bit here. Um it, it sounds like things to like incorporate going forward are really like being mindful of letting her express. Um even when that means especially when that means uh around a sibling that you could like use that as a teachable moment. Um and yeah highlighting those emotions and kind of going just a, you know, good reminder of like back to the basics, right? That like we can, we can let them express and we can identify that feeling and we don't have to process it right now. <laughs> Sometimes we're getting them in the car and that's what we're doing. And then we'll talk about it later uh, and, and being, being comfortable with that. Uh, how's that feel? Do you have any more questions on the topic? Uh, I do. you
2: think so. Yeah, no, I thought that was really help- That was super helpful. Um, good. And yeah, no, I I feel a lot better about that.
1: That was good. good. Thank you. And I,
2: I really liked when you said that, like, five to five steps, because I think we both turned and looked at each other when you said that sometimes you kind of zoom to step five, like getting past it. And mm-hmm. you forget that the problem-solving piece in there, like working through it. Yeah, that that's like the most important step and you don't want to skip over that. That's something we'll yeah. talk about when we you know?
1: Nice. Good. Little takeaway. Um, so okay. would you mind like throwing out there where folks could connect with you? Uh, Kelly runs a pretty awesome business in the Syracuse area that I'd love to, to send some folks over to.
2: Ah, oh, thanks about that. So, um, obviously, teaching was a huge part of my life before children. And um, I, as much as I love my time home with the girls, I, I missed teaching and I missed serving the community. So, um, and I wanted my girls, because they were home with me, I did want them to have an opportunity to socialize with others, um, play, and learn with children their ages. So, um, we go to story time, we go to music classes, and we do a lot around here, but I just wasn't finding I wasn't finding what I was looking for and so, for literally three years, I kind of came up with what I wanted for the community, what kind of classes I wanted and um I created a business called Play Two with the number two learn, and um we designed a couple of different classes we have a a baby class. Um, my girlfriend's an occupational therapist, and she used to co-teach in my classroom years ago. And she retired, and she is an, is our teaching our baby sensory motor class. And that is they basically making me want to have a third baby. It's so adorable and so worthwhile for parents. Um, and then we have a mini movers class, and that is a also a real sensory motor class. A lot of Big motor skills are practiced and um, through whole group games and um, a lot of fine motor. She has different fine motor tasks and stations set up around the room and she has different sensory opportunities, unique sensory ideas. Um, the kids just explore and my girls go to that class each week with Terry, my girlfriend Terry. And then I teach uh, tot time, is what we decided to call it. So play to learn tot time. And that's for two two to four-year-olds. We have um, our youngest children are two. And then we have my daughter is three and a half. And we have kids that are four. And um, it's, you know, it's preschool readiness. It's school readiness. It's just, it's playing. It's learning basically through play. There's all different hidden learning objectives um, throughout the hour. And they are hearing stories and singing songs and poems and finger plays and they're dancing and they're socializing at the different learning stations and there's whole group and there's free exploration and there's a sensory bin each week and there's a dramatic play area each week. And it's just really fun. And it's, it's been so rewarding to meet, you know, wonderful like-minded families and um, to watch the girls make new friends as they, you know, move around the room and explore, you know, the resources and the supplies we put out each week. And um, it's been really cool. I I just feel very honored that people have, have checked us out and it's going so well and it's been a lot of fun. So um, this will be our first full year. I mean, we've had classes since September and um, we recruit new families all the time. New people are constantly doing demo classes and checking us out and registering for our sessions. So um, I just started Instagram. That, that was a big move last week. Woo. Um, starting a business was definitely a, a, there's a learning curve because I'm a teacher. Right? You know, my training was in to be a reading specialist and a special ed teacher. And this is so different to market a business and try and, you know, have families hear about us, you know. So. Um, totally. You just want to spread the word and meet new families. So. um, yeah, I it's called Play to Learn Taught on Instagram and Play to Learn the number two taught time on Facebook and we do, you know, Facebook Live sometimes and um Judy and I will do little mini lessons, little demos on how we're playing that I sneak little learning objectives into our preschool play. And um I get different ideas for you know incorporating some fun at home you know on those rainy days or those snowy days where they're looking for something to do with their little people um and we just if you follow us, I guess you could maybe gain some new little ideas of some fun things you can try at home but um we we're we're really we're just i'm just so, so humbled by the fact that people are checking us out so it's been a it's been a neat new endeavor in our little family life here.
1: That's amazing. I I have been following you and I've gotten lots of new little hot tips and um, I'm definitely, I wish that I lived closer so I could pop into some classes and check these things out and and collaborate. Uh, But I will will certainly tag uh, or, or link to the Instagram and Facebook on the show notes and in our blog post. And is there any other way you'd like to connect or that's the best way
2: for you? Um yes, I think that face Facebook and Instagram. We have a, a website that it's under construction, so it's not quite ready yet, but I'm sure that once it's it's done it'll be tagged in those both those places so people could check us out eventually. But um Perfect. Yeah, that sounds great. And I know that a lot of my families, um, I've tagged Seed Seed and Sow on my page a couple of times and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about you know, checking into your services as well. I know we've you we've consulted with you for sleep, um, over the years and you've been so helpful. So I'll definitely continue. I'll oh, prefer you. families your way. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, I think
1: it's all a big village I'm trying to cultivate here and I love just being able to connect via social media and have that as an outlet for people to, to get answers to these to these questions and raising these tiny humans. Uh so thank you. Thanks for participating in that village. And thanks for coming on to share, you know, your personal side of this. I think it'll be so helpful for parents to hear us talk through these questions and these real life scenarios when it isn't just like perfect and every everything's great, um, but rather like what it really looks like on the ground and how we can respond to these three-year-olds. So thank you, Kelly. Thank you, John, for coming on and sharing your personal experience with us.
0: Thank you.
2: Alyssa. Oh, thank you, Alyssa. It means a lot to us. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.seedandsew.org podcast. If you love the show, take two minutes to leave a review and spread the love. Thanks for joining our village.